Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie. And welcome to the Harder Way podcast. All right. All right. We are happy to be here with all of you. Thank you for coming back or welcome if this is your first time listening. Yeah, welcome. We are excited to be here. Uh, We are in the middle of a series where we are going through the Bible, uh, not chronologically, uh, but we're going through and looking at different people, different accounts, and seeing what we can learn about what it means to live the harder way, uh, what we can learn from their examples or from the examples that we're given in scripture. Some of the examples are good examples, right? Oh, good job. They followed the harder way. And some of them are not so great examples where we're giving you a little bit of what not to do. Cain. Yeah, Cain, exactly. But the whole point in this series is to really continually root everything in this podcast in scripture and to really give some practical modern day application for how to live out the truths of scripture and this message of the harder way in our day-to-day lives. Right, because the harder way is the name that actually um, uh, uh, Don, uh, the founder of, of, our, of this ministry, uh, came up with the name the harder way as a way of describing choosing the way of faith over the way of fear. And uh, so we want to definitely credit him with that. And then my uh, my lovely wife was the one that said we should call the podcast the harder way. Yep. Thanks, so mom. It might seem <laughs> a thousand ideas for what did. to call the podcast. And then, and then and she, and she just walked in the room after we've spent hours and hours and hours brainstorming. She walks in the room and goes, "It should be the harder way," and then walks out like she's the queen of the world because she kind of is. And <laughs> and that was that. Yep. But you know, uh, so the 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 name could be a little bit foreign or confusing to somebody that doesn't know Mm. but really the bible as a whole is a story of the harder way because the harder way is the god way as opposed to the good way it's the way of faith as opposed to the way of uh fear Mm -hmm. uh and or one might even say that it's the way of uh, faith as opposed to the way of works Mm, yes absolutely because it works we all do works to try to justify ourselves justify our presence justify our existence it's kind of human nature and why because we're afraid that we aren't worthy or we're afraid that we haven't measured up right and the lord says i he, he paid the price for us so that we would not have to work and so in him, then we are, as we are saved and through his righteousness, his sac- his atoning sacrifice, then we get to do what the, what James describes as good works. Yes. Good works, not saving works. Right. When he says, show me your, uh, you can show me your faith by what you say. I believe he says say, and I'll show you my faith by, by what, what I, I do. do. He's talking about a faith that produces works, not a faith that is the result of works. 
And I would say that a faith that produces works, that's what you get when you are living the harder way. Absolutely. Because the faith moves beyond that intellectual sense where you're saying, okay, yes, I have faith in God. I know that God's real on a, on a mental level. But when you're choosing to live the harder way, you're moving it from the head level to the heart level and out into the action level. We're really acting as if God were real because he is. But many of us who believe and know that God is real aren't necessarily acting like he's real. And that's what the harder way is. The harder way is saying, okay, if God's real and the Bible's true, we need to live in that truth. And and many of us aren't because it's difficult. It's not easy. No, and I, I would say that metaphorically speaking, the longest or greatest distance in the universe or in known reality is the distance between our head and our heart. 100%. Because we can intellectually, intellectually acknowledge something as true, but that's only part of belief. Mm. Uh, the Greek word is pistuo, which means I believe or I faith, and uh, which we don't really have that action word in English, but for faith, but it means the same thing. I believe, I faith. And it, it means that um, the concept of this, of belief is, is multifaceted. It's not just an intellectual assent or an intellectual consent or an, an intellectual acknowledgement. I believe this to be true because true belief produces a feeling in your heart. Yes. Right? Something changes inside of you and, and changes your perspective. Uh, um, uh, I think it was uh, Piaget, the, the ch- famous child psychologist, he said that, that when something, when new knowledge comes, uh, uh, new ideas come, old idea has to ice die in the process, oh. right? Because our, when, when new ideas, new thoughts, new beliefs come, they challenge and they disrupt our old ideas. So maybe our old idea is there is no God. And now I become a convinced there's a God. So that old idea and that old way of being has to die. It necessarily for that new one to take its place. And so that old way of being, what happens is that old way of being, Paul describes this as the old man who still lives and, and acts like, and we act like he's still alive. Uh, this, this old uh, way of being or thinking is still residing in my heart. So my head, so I have this conflict inside of me where my head knows one thing, but my heart keeps leading me in a different direction. Hmm. Right. And so it's when I can say, okay, I choose this way of faith. I choose to follow what this, what I believe to be true in my head. Now with my heart, when that transference is made, now something happens because when my heart is changed, my feet will follow. Wow. Yeah. That's good. And those are the three aspects of faith. Mental, emotional, and physical. Or or, or volitional. Or volitional. Intellectual, uh, emotional, and volitional. We can say it in a little more. In more, in more bigger words. <laughs> <laughs> more bigger. Uh, yeah. Yes. So that all of that being said, in today's episode, we want to talk about the call of Abram, who you may know better as Abraham. 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 Had many sons. <laughs> many sons had Father Abraham. Everybody start dancing. Uh, <laughs> any of you who grew up in Sunday school will know what that was a reference to. And if you didn't, Google it, and then you'll have that song stuck in your head for 
yep. at least a few days, but probably for the rest of your life. Uh, but we are going to be talking about the call of Abram, who then became Abraham. And we are going to be taking that out of Genesis chapter 12. And what I'm going to do here at the start is I'm going to go ahead and read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Now, just a little background. In Genesis 1 through 11, we've covered 2,200 years at least. That's the longest span of time covered in right. all of Scripture. That's more than the rest of So we've of gone the Bible from creation <laughs> through the Tower of Babel, and then we come to the call of Abram. And what's interesting is, and then we, and we've also gone through the flood. So there's a flood, everybody's wiped out except for Noah and his family. And then there's the rebuilding of society and the Tower of Babel where the kings of the world are building these ziggurats to try to basically um, declare their own glory and, mm -hmm. and exalt themselves. Yep. And, and, and it's a, it's a real affront to God. And so God has divided the languages and in doing so divided the people by language. Um, which brings me to an aside, which I have a theory. Oh, a theory. I have a theory about just as more of an anthropological kind of just human observation. Okay. But what I found in my experience is that, um, People will often try to make the distinguish the, uh, to, to distinguish between whether someone's of Asian background or native background or Indian, uh, you know, or African. It really doesn't matter as much what somebody looks like as what they sound like. I find if two people communicate very similarly as far as their use of the of a certain language. And mm -hmm. uh, so stylistically, accent-wise, they communicate very uh, similarly. They feel very familiar to you, and they kind of feel like your people. Mm, These that's are my, interesting. I think that, that uh, we give too much credence to the outward appearance, and we don't realize that we're really impacted more by what someone sounds like. That's my theory. Huh. And I think... Uh, we see that evidence in the Tower of Babel where people start speaking different languages. They can't communicate. didn't matter what they looked like. They all got grouped together by how they communicated. Yeah, I, I remember uh, watching a, a historical program on television, and they were looking at some uh, mummified remains that were discovered in Asia, in a part of Asia where there were no white people that people that they were aware of, uh, scientists were aware of in antiquity at all. And what they found was that these people were actually blonde hair, blue eyed uh, individuals. Wow. And that. So, how did they get there? <laughs> well, and they did DNA research and a whole bunch of different other kinds of research. And what they determined was that these people weren't actually foreigners. They just, they just kind of, because their, DNA, their uh, genetic traits were recessive, they just kind of disappeared into the culture. But they were a part of this cultural group. Interesting. Yeah. So, just, and, that, and that really is an evidence of the Tower of Babel. That people were going out based on language, not based on appearance. So then it makes you probably assume then that the groups were most likely made up of people who looked all kinds of different ways. But then, you know, if there was the group that was all speaking one language and there was a few more of a, a group that had, say, dominant genes, then mm. maybe people would end up just looking like whatever the most people looked like right. in that group. And then if you attribute warfare, because people, I'm sure, wasn't long before they were dividing, you know, people always find a reason to divide, divide or hate each other, because division is a fruit of the flesh. Mm -hmm. So we're so without Jesus, we're always going to be finding reasons to divide. Yes. The enemy yeah. wants us to divide from one another 
Jesus wants us to be united with one another. Right. Okay, we digress. Uh, tell me about, uh, you read the call of Abram to us and tell us what the Bible has to say about this event. Yes. Yeah, so again, this is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he sat out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Okay, so interesting. Uh, first of all, we have, this is our, this is Father Abraham. We are the spiritual, you know, the descendants of Abraham and, and Sarah. And this is his call. Now, let me read to you what Paul says about this call in Romans chapter 14. Chapter 14 or chapter 4? Chapter 4. <laughs> Get it right, Maddie. Yes, this is why I'm not an engineer. The numbers, they, shall, they twist in my mind. What then shall we say? That Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, is found. For if Abraham was justified by works... He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Hmm. So his faith in God. So I, I, I just picture this thing. I see God coming up to Abraham. Abraham is going along minding his business. He's probably some form of pagan. We can assume, we yes. We can assume. If not, maybe he is a, a, um, a follower of some uh, adjacent or weird version of, of Yahweh, because people were following God before Abraham. Right. Like Job is a great example of that. And, of course, the people we discussed uh, in the first few chapters of the Bible, also, many of them were following God as well and are trying to. Noah obviously does. And we think about... Um, we think about uh, this. Uh, this time, God uh, comes to him and makes him an offer. Yes. And I feel like it's it's only seems real to me if Abraham has like a British accent. What? Yeah. So then, so God says, "Follow me, and I will make your descendants a great nation." You know. And then Abraham says, "Y'all right then? Sounds good." You know, so Cockney accent. Okay. Yeah. That I was thinking you meant just a generic British accent, but the Cockney accent really throws it for me. Mario, go, Governor. Let's get on with it, then. And off they go. <laughs> and they take off, and and he doesn't. He just goes. And he just goes. He just goes. And I think, man, yes, that is faith, because that is Abraham just saying, "I'm okay. 
You said it. Let's go. It is. And that we have to think about this and really consider the context. So imagine how difficult it would be even today if God were to say, I want you to leave everything you've ever known mm. and go someplace else, do something different. Like that would be very difficult. I think all of us can acknowledge that. But I want you to think about the difference between going someplace new in 2023 mm -hmm. and going someplace new, you know, and, and we'll say the BC times in, in the ancient Near East, well, right? Yeah, yeah. That was a completely different experience when you consider the fact that most people never would have even gone more than a couple miles, maybe two miles, three miles from where they were born. Right. right. When you consider the difficulty of travel, when you consider um, the dangers that were around that could have occurred by going someplace new, when you left your people, you were then vulnerable if you were on your own. Right. If you think about not then being able to have contact probably ever with any family and friends that you were leaving behind, because at that time, uh, in the times of Abraham, because this was pre kind of Greek and Roman empire, you would not have had any way really to probably even get letters across at that time. Right. So when he said, yes, I'm going to go, he was leaving everything behind in a way that we can't really relate to in 2023, because it was so much more extreme than anything that, we would be called to in that sense. No, it was more akin to what missionaries did a couple hundred years ago. Yes. Right. They yes. would, they would take their coffin with them because mm -hmm. they were going to die. Like, well, if I'm going here, I'm going to die here. You know, it's interesting. I was speaking to the head of a uh, major denomination in, uh, from Ghana. He and I were classmates in our doctoral program. And one of the things that really impressed the Ghanians was that the missionaries that came there with the gospel lived there and their graves are there. Mm. And they would say, it's interesting when a, someone speaks, you know, they would say, he would always say, you know, they, they speak English in Ghana, but they, ha they have an accent, but they, uh, you know, but they speak English. English is their first language. English and then tree, which is like their, the second most common language uh, for, because the Aka, Akron, Aka, uh, the largest tribe speaks tree. Um, and he he would say, you know, um, he would finish his story with, and their graves are still there. They lived with us and they died with us. And it's it was so important to them that they did that. And um, I think that as we consider this, the tremendous uh, act that Abram was called to do, Abraham was called to do, it's really difficult to fathom. Even today I was... I uh, was buying some bratwurst at the at the uh, uh, grocery store. <laughs> I keep saying I want to say carniceria, which is the Spanish word at the meat store, <laughs> the butcher uh, at Eggers Meats, and uh, I was buying some uh, bratwurst, and they the the they were called Philly cheesesteak bratwursts. Huh. And I was thinking back to the 1980s, the first time I heard of a Philly cheesesteak. I thought cheesesteak, what a weird word. Hmm. Right? It was a foreign concept to you. It was a foreign concept to me. It was a strange thing. I'd never heard of such a thing. 
And now you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who at 18 years old who hadn't heard of a cheesesteak. Right. Right. It's because our world has gotten so much smaller. And, and and so distances seem so much smaller. Cultures become much more accessible to us. Even something like bagels. Mm-hmm. Oh, bagels. Right? You think about bagels have always been really huge in New York and then other areas surrounding there and um, places that maybe had a larger Jewish population. But for people in the South, people in the West Coast and good portions of the Midwest, it really wasn't until the late 80s, early 90s that... You started being able to buy bagels in grocery stores and bagels became just like a normal bread item that you could buy that everybody knows what they are. When I, when I, uh, the first time I ever had a bagel was when my wife made one for me. Wow. I'd never had one before. Yeah. In the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) wow. It's okay. pretty good. <laughs> this is this is on point. No, no wonder the Jewish are so successful in this world. Just from eating the bagels. They're eating bagels. This is amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I I definitely loved them. But yeah, it was it was a different. It's a different world. And uh, so imagine with Abraham, the food's different. You know, you could go the flora and the fauna, the animals and the plants are different. Everything would be different, and he would be completely disconnected from everyone really, except for what it says, his wife, his nephew Lot, and then the servants he brought with him. Mm -hmm. Everything else he was going to leave behind. The fact that he said yes, the fact that he went, is huge because he heard God, he believed God mentally, and clearly felt it to be true because then he acted upon that belief. Right. So it moved from the head to the heart to the body, right? right. <laughs> moved from uh, intellectual to emotional to volitional. And do you think, can you give me, from the life of Abraham, so I know we're going to probably, we're going to come back to him again. Several times, most likely. Can you think of an example of when he failed on the harder way and an example when he succeeded on the harder way? Well... Most of his failures are coming to mind. Uh, he has several, Give but you couple. really only have to go just a couple verses down from what I just read. And you hear about his incident in Egypt where he's scared that his wife uh, is going to be taken from him, that he's going to be basically, well, maybe they're going to kill me so that they can have my wife. And he lies and says that his wife is his sister. Right. So instead of telling the truth, which telling the truth is choosing the harder way. He was afraid, tried to take control for himself, and uh, decided to lie. And that's really just right after what we just read. And what's interesting, okay, the can is interesting is that there's a good way and a god way in that. The good way is, hey, it's pretty clever. Tell them she's your sister. That in the eyes of men, in the eyes of the flesh, that's the like, clever thing to do. Does that really hurt anyone? That you know, you, it's, it's very little, easy to justify, right? That. And, and and it's to save a life, mine. Hey, so it's like my favorite one to save, right? <laughs> I want to live. So, um, and then we see though, what, what what would the God way have been? What would the harder way have been in that incident? Do you think? Well, the harder way would have been to tell the truth and tr- and choosing to tell the truth and choosing to trust God to be his protection, not trying to seek out protection for himself. You know, there's a story uh, in our Courier Update that's coming out in January. I just We just went to the printers today. And there's a story about one of our founders, Marion, 
and about her experience with the harder way. And it was something, it, it was not, uh, it wasn't that uh, people were trying to steal her from her husband, but it was an extreme ex example of faith that, that she had to experience and it was transformative for her. And it actually um, uh, really just solidified her attitude in ministry for the rest of her ministry. And I think Abraham missed an opportunity uh, to grow his faith by choosing to lie rather than to tell the truth. Yes. And just trusting God. And I think that happens to all of us in our own lives. We have to look and say, you know, where have I or where am I robbing myself of spiritual growth? Mm -hmm. Because we all are guilty of that. Oh, of sure. choosing an easy way, choosing a good way, instead of choosing the God way, instead of choosing the harder way and seeing, oh, well, I'm not seeing the spiritual growth in my life that I want. I'm not having this relationship with God like I want to have. Things aren't, uh, things aren't great in that department. And then we can look at other places in our lives and say, oh, well, you know, there are these areas where God's calling me to do something different, calling me to make a certain choice, and I'm not doing it. You know, and I think um, another example we can jump forward to is when Abraham was, uh, Abraham was called to sacrifice his, his son. He's yes. walking by faith to the altar, mm -hmm. and he puts his son on the altar. That would definitely be uh, an extreme example of choosing the harder way. You know, when we take Bibles into the persecuted church, when we go to the border, because we're not trying to hide our Bibles, we just put them in our suitcases and we're just going in like normal people. Um, we really are uh, laying ourselves down on the author on the on the altur yes. We're living Romans 12. 1. We're offering our bodies as, as living, living sacrifice. sacrifices. And we're trusting God. We're trusting God for the outcome. And I Abraham, Abraham was walking the harder way, I believe, when he took Isaac up to the altar. Yes. And was prepared to sacrifice him to God. Oh, 100%. I mean, we're talking about the, the easy way, the hard way, the harder way. Sacrificing your own child is really what we would call, probably call the hardest way. Now, there is a whole ethical conversation about would Yahweh, the God of Israel, ever ask for a child sacrifice? The answer is no. He was that was anathema to him. That was that was the realm of Molech. Uh, he was the God that wanted child sacrifice, and and uh, that was not our God. So, um, but it's a, it's it's really a great image to see that juxtaposition of Abraham early in life, really making making a huge faith response, choosing the harder way, then stumbling and making mistakes. Right, Can he you... makes many mistakes. Another example would be going along with Sarah with Sarah's plan because they had been told that they were going to have a child in their old age, and when that was not happening. Sarah hatched a plan and said, okay, well, why don't you sleep with my hand servant mm -hmm. and then I will raise the child and it'll be a child for you, but she's young so she can give you a child. And Abraham went along with it. Mm -hmm. Sarah came up with the idea, yes, but he played a very active role. He did not have to say yes. Right. Right. He did not have to do that but he chose to do that and right, because and he had tremendous authority as a man in that culture 
Literally, he yes. could just say no and don't say another word about it. And that's the end of the conversation. Yeah, he was in no way being bossed around by her. She was not in control of him. He was he was fully in control of the situation, had every, every opportunity mm-hmm. to say no, to choose something different, to choose the way of faith. And he didn't. Yeah. And that ended up uh, creating all sorts of issues. Right. So... Right, it really did, and and if and for those who, the, the you know the Muslims believe that they are the descendants of Ishmael, the product of that uh, birth, and that and and uh, we believe we're the obviously descended from Isaac, and look at this spiritually, and, spiritually, and, and of course Jewish people physically, physically, right, and uh, and so we have this this uh, these two in competition, these two these two symbolic people uh, that are still having problems to this day. I mean, you hate to pin all of it on Abraham, <laughs> but I mean, if you think about the death and destruction on all sides that has happened and is happening right now to this day at this very moment between these two people groups, mm-hmm. it's devastating. And it, you can't help but ask yourself, and I don't have an answer for this, no one does, but I just can't help but ask myself how different would things be in our world today throughout history had Abraham chosen the harder way and refused to go along with Sarah's plan? Right. And I think that's that sin nature. Thank you, Adam, that, uh, that he brought, you know, that was brought into the world and that, uh, uh, you know, we all contend with and Abraham, uh, was losing the battle to that sin nature uh, in that moment. And uh, he was choosing a good way. Hey, this is a good plan. God said this. I'm going to go ahead and make it happen. A little little insight. If God tells you something's going to happen, he's not telling you so you can do it or make it happen. He's telling you so that you'll know when it happens it was him. Hmm. So imagine the testimony of faith if if. Abraham and Sarah had waited until she became pregnant, until she was going to give birth to Isaac. What a greater testimony of faith uh, it would have been. We would have listed that along with other aspects of his faith. You know, and we don't want yeah. that to diminish the great faith he showed in other areas. But we just want to show that, that Abraham uh, walked the harder way and he stumbled along the harder way. And for me, that's an encouragement. Right. I was going to say the same thing, which is that even those who can make these impossible, seemingly impossible decisions and and steps of faith still stumble. Right. That we can look at someone. And I mean, the example of Abraham being willing to put his own son on the altar. Who of us can say, oh, yeah, I would do that. I mean, depends on the day. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. He's like, there's been a couple times when I've wanted to sacrifice you, Maddie. No, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? That this is somebody who did something that was such a step of faith, virtually no one in the world would say yes to that, right? And yet even he stumbled and didn't choose the harder way. Well, I think as, as we, in our culture right now, we're seeing, because we're so much more aware of everything going on around us, you know, there are a lot of uh, times when we look and, and we see people uh, who are 
in, in, in some moments, great heroes of, the, of our modern faith, and in other moments, they fall into horrific sin and stumble terribly. And um, oh, yeah. it's really easy to judge them and just say, well, they're no good, they're awful, uh, and, and, and we have to also cast aside their earlier victories. Um, and I think it's important to recognize that, that, you know, we don't know the end of the story for them yet. So if they're not dead. There's hope. There's hope. And I think too, you know, we're looking at Abraham and we're saying, what was it that he did where he wasn't choosing the harder way? It was lying to protect himself and his wife. And it was saying, uh, okay, I'm going to go along with this plan to try to kind of force God's hand you know, right. try to kind of manipulate what I think God is saying, trying to make something happen. And so, you know, I want to add that caveat just because when we're looking at these big pastors or people that are falling, we can use our discernment in the sense that, you know, there are levels and gradations. There are certain things that people do that are going to permanently color anything else that they've right. ever done, right? Like somebody having an issue with drugs or having an issue with gambling or they cheated on their wife is very different than things coming out about people, you know, abusing. Let's not, let's not enumerate let's, them. Let's not enumerate them, but <laughs> yes. you, you guys can all just put them in your minds, uh, right? Where there are things that you're saying, oh, this was a, was a stumble for you uh, and you're, you're struggling and, oh, you you have gone into the deepest depths of human depravity. Yeah, um, trying to ha- figure out how to come back from that, how to wrap that, how to wrap, how to. Uh, well, uh, well, all that to say that I think because Abraham, well, here's here's what I'll what I'll say. Actually, here here's a thought for you guys. This is just coming to my mind right now. Abraham was choosing the harder way, had chosen the harder way, and as a whole was living a life of faith. Yes. So when he did stumble, he was not taking the crazy stumbles that we sometimes see in our modern ministry leaders today. And I think that if someone is truly living the harder way and living a life of faith as a whole... There's only so far down that you can go if you're at that point. I don't know if that makes any sense. Or yeah, I would just, with that. I, would, I agree with all the up to, and I would just tweak the last statement a little, the last sentence a little bit, because I, I think t- to say there's only so far, there's only so far down you can go, agreed, as long as, you know, if you're a Christian and you're, and you're following the, and you're born again, there's obviously only so far down you can go. Right. But, uh, and then if you have been choosing the harder way consistently, um, your stumbles will be smaller, like you said. Uh, and I think I'd use my, myself as a case in point, uh, uh, having practiced and spoke about and thought about and written about living life on the harder way. A couple of months ago when I got a really bad uh, test from the doctor and they were Pretty sure I had uh, cancer. Um, I was able to have tremendous peace and walk by faith uh, uh, through the situation mm-hmm. uh, without fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, when I just found out just a few days ago that everything is actually in the clear and mm-hmm. and the possibility of cancer is maybe 2%, not like 90% like we thought it was before. Um 
but you're you know we we prayed and the lord we felt like the lord was saying this is unto life not unto death just trust me and so we did now that's not to say that in that journey of a couple of months there weren't one or two moments when i had a few doubts and fears but for the most part i was really able to take and have a walk of faith journey through that yes. so i pray that's not preparation for something else down the road but um i'm grateful that the Lord has let me go on this journey and learn about walking the harder way because it made this whole thing so much easier. Mm. Yeah. And for those of you out there who are listening, that can be your story too. It's not something that's only for special people. It's not something that's only for people who are in ministry or who are educated no. or it's for everyone. Every single person, regardless of where you're at, has the ability to choose the harder way with the help of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. right? Because in our flesh, you know, maybe sometimes we'll choose the harder way just, you know, out of saying, oh, I want to do the right thing or whatever. But again, without the Holy Spirit, you're really probably not going to choose the harder way vast majority of the time because in our own flesh, we really can't. But if you are born again and you have the Holy Spirit, whether you are a new Christian uh, whether you've been a Christian for, you know, 50 years, you have the ability with the Holy Spirit's help to choose the harder way, to choose the way of faith, to live that life. And yes, there are going to be times when you stumble. There are going to be struggles. That's the story for all of us. None of us are at a place where we're doing everything, you know, quote unquote, perfectly all the time. But we can be on that faith-driven trajectory. And I think that's what we see in the life of Abraham, that throughout everything, he was on that faith-driven trajectory, regardless of those times when he struggled and when he stumbled and when he chose a good way instead of a God way. He was always continually drawn back to that life of faith. And that can be our story as well. That's a great word to, to end on. This can be our story as well so we want to encourage you first of all to join us on the harder way uh, to share this podcast with anybody that you think might be blessed by it we want to invite you also to uh, email us at nationsforjc at gmail.com uh, share with us that's the number four nationsforjc at gmail.com share with us uh, any testimonies you have about how the the uh, podcast has impacted you or a way you may have shared it and uh, if you're interested in getting our courier update you can do that uh, one of two ways you can let us know on the uh, on the email that you'd like us to send you a link to sign up for it and we'll do that or you can go to atlas bible org Atlas Bibles, one word, atlasbible.org forward slash BCI, and you'll see three options there. Uh, one is to get the Hardaway podcast, one option is to get the Courier update, and one option is to support the Bible Courier ministry. So um, uh, we'll, we would, we'll send you there, and, uh, and uh, Lord willing, um, uh, you'll be reading about, our, uh, about Mary's story in January and how God really set her going on the harder way.
Yes, that will be really amazing and beneficial to read. Uh, and we just uh, hope that you will all join us next week, uh, next Friday, for our Christmas episode where we will be looking at The Harder Way uh, as seen through the Christmas story and specifically looking at uh, Jesus's parents here on earth, Mary and Joseph, and what we can learn from them. So we think that's going to be a good one for you guys. We're not doing Santa Claus? We're not. Well, we might talk a little bit about Santa Claus, but uh, point of the episode will be... Krampus? The Bible. Oh, Krampus for sure. Black Peter? These Mom. are all Christmas people. You, we'll tell you about it next week. God bless you guys. All right, bye-bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.